Welcome to Fantasy Football Across America. I'm here in the studio with Matt Kelly, the Podfather. This is this is crazy. I can't believe that I'm seeing myself on this screen right now next to him with this background. How's it going, Matt? You're here, man. You're here. You came in last night late. You were at the Patriots game, and I stayed up. I fell asleep on the couch waiting for you to come home, and then uh, I was like, oh, honey, you're back. Oh, how was the game? And it was great. It was great. It was we, a good uh, game. Had a sandwich, at, you know, midnight, and then we, we woke up. I, I slept in my daughter's bed. Uh, all is good. All is good. You get to take advantage of everything we have here at the mansion, and now you're on to another game tonight. Yep. You're going to the Jets, uh, hosting the Bills. Aaron Rodgers' debut in the green. I guess the different shade of green, to clarify. Yeah. Well, go. So, so Jalen Hurts and Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen, bang, 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 week one. Yeah. And then on top of that, I mean, I'm seeing the Bills again. So another Josh Allen game and the Eagles again in week two because Eagles Thursday night, Bills on Sunday. Right. A lot of these elite quarterbacks lining up early in the schedule for me here. Every stadium, every stadium, which is 31. There's 30 stadiums. I'm going to 31 games, though, because I'll be able to get to a Chargers game and a Rams game. Unfortunately for the Giants, they're the odd one out. Oh, right. Okay, so Chargers and Rams both play in SoFi. Mm -hmm. Jets and Giants both play in MetLife. Yep. But you're technically going to 31 games because you're going to go to two in SoFi? Yeah, yeah. So that particular week, there's a Thursday game for the Rams, I believe, and it's a Saturday game for the Chargers. It's like, you know, week 16. Schedule gets a little funky, I think. So logistically, you're snaking around the upper Midwest from here, right? Northeast, upper Midwest. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to loop back around to hit the Southeast, right? And you're going to even hit Houston on your way there. But then at some point, you're going to be in Miami. Yeah. And then what's the next game after the Dolphins? After the Dolphins, it's a Cardinals game. So we're talking Monday night football, Tua in Miami. And then that Sunday, the plan is to be in Phoenix, you know, at State Farm Stadium, where Cody Carpentier and I covered the Super Bowl for Player Profiler. Right, yeah, memories. And uh, and catching the Cardinals game against, I, I have to double check who, who they're playing against that week. So, and you've, you've, you've told me about all these places you're staying. You have a VW conversion van, and there are actually people that are fans of the VW brand mm-hmm. that have driveways that you can stay in, and you were in Maine, in, in Somesville, Maine, which is near Bar Harbor, Acadia National Park. And the, because you had, this is, this is crazy. Because you, this is, I can't believe this. Because <laughs> you have a Volkswagen, you can park in their driveway. They gave you water, all the water. They hooked you up to their hose. They hooked you up to a, a, a power, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. an extension cord. So you're like, hey, all the electricity and water you want just because you like the same type of car we like. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not just fans. I'd say, I mean, it's people who also have one, like the, the whole bus community with the Volkswagen. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, I get it's it. It's great. I mean, I, you know, every, every I've stayed at a couple of these hosts, super, super gracious, very friendly and hospitable. And um, super, I'm very happy that I went with a Volkswagen and I kind of get to be in in that little community. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a. They bought Audi, they bought Porsche. I mean, Volkswagen is one of the biggest car companies in the world. So congratulations to them, and they've created this incredible fan base. That's the thing. Even if you're 
not necessarily the most technically uh, sophisticated brand, which at one point in time, the VW bus and the Beetle, they were known just to be super simple, get you from point A to point B. They were utilitarian, right? Mm -hmm. But if somehow you can capture people's imaginations, that brand affinity, eventually you can gobble up all the other car companies. It's kind of yep. amazing. It's kind of, it's pretty amazing what they've done. It's pretty amazing what you're doing with fantasy football across America. Now we have week one action to break down. We have Kenneth Gainwell as a bell cow. That's, I think, the the headline. Yeah, I mean, I big was... Big headline because that was just a big, big surprise. <laughs> so a lot of people that I respect, right? A lot of people that are top analysts, people that have written for us, great people, smart guys, still surprised. Yeah, I mean, I was at that game, as you know, and just seeing number 14 in the backfield every play. He, I think he over. got two targets on the and first over. drive. Over. I was just and like, oh, Matt, Matt's pants are definitely off right now about the, sometime in the second quarter when DeAndre Swift was maybe two snaps in so far the entire game. Yeah, I was not watching that game live. I watched the, all the one o'clock games and then uh, had to take a break. And then when I came back, it was, you know, the, the second quarter was underway and I was like, oh, 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 hello, Kenneth. <laughs> oh, oh, is anyone else even out there? Like, what happened? <laughs> Rashad Penny. So on the Top 10 Takeaway Show, I talked about the fact that, you know, it really matters. Contracts matter. Miles Sanders getting 10 plus million dollars, even if it's a fake four-year deal, that's going to give him plenty of security. So he can literally has the job security without the ball security, uh-huh. right? He fumbles. The doesn't matter. Right. Antonio Gibson fumbles. He does not have the job security, does not have the contract, does not have the support of the organization. So he fumbles and it's Chris Rodriguez time. Miles Sanders fumbles and it's back to being Miles Sanders getting, you know, five to six targets. Even though Chuba, he got the 11 touches mostly because this is a run first offense, not because there's a favoritism or a, or, or a split 50 50 backfield it's definitely not it's the miles sanders show that's what the opportunity shares tell us but just the total raw touches really good news for tyler algier really good news for chuba hubbard really good news for even roshan johnson i know he was in there for a lot of garbage time but he was in there with justin fields so it wasn't Mm -hmm. like they were just benching all the starters Right? Getting, getting, and, getting and, him some reps. And, you know, so Twitter was surprised by Kenneth Gainwell, which I, maybe they just need to follow me closer, I guess, or listen <laughs> harder. I don't get it. And then also there was a, a lot of dismissal of the Justin Fields 37 pass attempts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and if you want more about week one, you can go watch that episode of Top 10 Takeaways because this is fantasy football across America, Matt. And now we're going to go hear a word from our sponsor read by yourself from bet openly. And then we're going to get right into it from myself to myself. Hey, so many asked me what's wrong with sports books. Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much until bet openly came along. Bet openly said, Hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer-to-peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code UNDERWORLD, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee on BetOpenly. It gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. 
And now that is the reality. BetOpenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. All right, Matt. So I'm not sure if you've had a chance to watch another episode of Fantasy Football Across America yet. But what I like to do here is kind of give people a look behind the analyst that they're so used to seeing on Twitter, watching on streams, listening to on podcasts. So I kind of, you know, I want to pry at the story behind the Podfather. How did this come to be? I mean, let's let's get started. Just like first time you played fantasy football, what was the first league you played in? A fantasy baseball league in, in 2000. My buddy studied abroad in Germany at a time when you couldn't just uh, access the internet as freely as you can today. He just he was worried that he would be studying abroad and wouldn't have the, the, the same uh, level of access to, I think it was ESPN Fantasy at the time. So we said, hey, I want you to be my co-manager. I'm going to be in a different time zone, you know, starting players, you know, based on the, the seven o'clock start. It's going to be challenging for me. I'll already be asleep and all these things. So he was like, okay, I'm not sure what the internet's going to look like over there, the access. I'm not sure if I'm going to have the, the, the bandwidth to manage my team. I took the team over. I picked up Rafael for a call. It was a rookie shortstop. Might've been playing second base at the time as a rookie uh, for the Braves. He stole like 60 bases in the second half. We got a, we got 10 points from in the stolen base categories, five by five scoring in baseball and uh, we we won the championship, and and there was actually people in that league that were in professional baseball front office people. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, no, no, there were there were people. He he was uh, he he went to school in uh, Southern California, like you did, and he had a couple friends that were really. He also wanted to be in. He's the one that got me the job with the Northwestern Equipment Room uh, to be be an equipment manager. And then he was working with linebackers, and then the guy that had graduated was working with quarterbacks, and then I stepped right in and became the the, the quarterback assistant. And he was like, man, this sucks. I've been here for <laughs> more than two years, and I'm stuck with linebackers, and they didn't they didn't shift any. They just yeah. gave you quarterbacks. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but, I mean, I came in, and I was, you know, confident and cool. And so, of course, they're going to give me quarterbacks, bro. And I can throw. And I was like, let's throw the let's throw let's throw the football right now. See what happens. And then, like, I guess this is why this is why you work with linebackers, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, he had a, he had a bunch of friends that were aspiring, uh, you know, major league general managers. One actually became a general manager uh, later. Is uh, uh, but uh, also had a scandal involved. So we won't get into that. But it was interesting. Oh man. And but bottom line, took that league down against some tough competition, felt great. Next year, did a fantasy football league and a fantasy baseball league. First pick ever was Tony Gonzalez. So I was one of the original tight ends, give you leverage at the position, Travis Kelsey in the first round, Gronk in the first round. I was one of the originals saying, and I you know, had this whole case for why Tony Gonzalez was a better first round pick than say Marvin Harrison. Uh, I knew enough not to go quarterback in the first round. There were still back then mm-hmm. there were a lot of quarterbacks who would go first round, and it was a huge mistake as we all know now. But uh, back because they weren't even scoring this at the same level that the today's quarterbacks, yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the Hurts and the Josh Allen's. No, there's no Mahomes back then. Uh, there were some good, really good quarterbacks, but it was just crazy that there's so many drafted in the first round. I knew it was either going to be Marvin Harrison or Tony Gonzalez, and I went Tony Gonzalez. It was good. It was yeah. a fine team. I don't think I won that championship. I always found football to have a little more randomness than baseball, and it made it mm-hmm. a little harder. And so what I tried to do with Player Profiler was 
bring some of the metrics that I had used to my success to great success in baseball to football, leverage some of those. And yet what I've found is over the years, it's a different sport. Mm -hmm. It's a very different sport. And the there's more randomness and the numbers tell you less about how good these players are and what their future performances are going to be than with baseball. Baseball is more predictable. Baseball has uh, a, a more sort of clinical, uh, uh, you know, exp, you know uh, sample size too. Yeah, they, they, it's a bigger sample size, but there are less moving parts with mm -hmm. every pitch. Right, right. Right, so every instance I mean, of statistics being scored has fewer inputs. Yep. Right, so it's a cleaner, more clinical approach to your analysis as opposed to football where it's the 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 structure of the sport, the the platform from which the sport you know opens up and uh, the performances unfold is messier, is dirtier. Mm -hmm. There is a lot more random chance bodies moving in directions that no one predicted on any given play. And that makes every play more difficult to predict. And then when you have fewer plays total, so you have a lot fewer plays in, in the course of a 16 game season, as opposed to a you know 162 game season. And then you've got a lot more messiness on yeah. any given rep. So then it, it actually, dilutes the power, the predictive power of the advanced metrics and analytics in football more than it is in baseball where, and it, and it makes sense. We've had enough time it's happened. It's passed 15 plus years since Moneyball, Yep. And yet still baseball after football has, again, had plenty of time to catch up. Yep. Baseball still leverages stats, analytics, metrics at a, a much broader base much more sophisticated ways and they just invested a lot more in that area in both the front office and in the, in the on the coaching side just on the, in the strategy side the in-game strategy as well as the talent acquisition departments are much more heavily influenced by analytics in baseball and i believe will continue to be Definitely. because again football has had plenty of time to catch up the cat the 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 alignment has happened right the convergence has happened and yet on a per play basis, on a per game basis, on a per career basis, you're not going to get as many predictable data points from football and football games as you will baseball. So a big adjustment I've made over the last 10 years, and I've been talking about it this year in particular, is to incorporate more information about how players operate off the field, mm -hmm. uh, their, like their work ethic, for example, uh, and their uh, the systems that they that they play in, some of those things matter more that are not quantifiable necessarily uh, than in other sports. Where yes, you want Mike Trout to be to have a, an incredible work ethic and, and to watch film on pitchers, but it's not going to make the kind of difference that it makes to a quarterback or to a wide receiver. Where knowing when to be, where to be on the football field is as important as having the raw athleticism to make a play in mm -hmm. the moment. Uh, and that's that's something that was not intuitive to me at all. Yeah. I was and like, okay, we have the athleticism metrics. Okay, we, we have all these efficiency metrics. We have what we need to predict the performance of all these players without any outside noise, without 
listening to what coaches are saying without uh, you know evaluating these players and their 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 mentals and their approach to the game now when i hear uh, deandre swift is just not a lion right uh-huh. <laughs> he's not and and you see the trades that are happening you can go back and say well his efficiency was near the top of the league right and if this was a baseball player probably he would slot right back in as a potential superstar the the, the prince that was promised had some baseball team acquired a player with that with those kind of metrics and the team that they were they, they essentially stealing him from the team that they that originally drafted him didn't know what they had you know one team has you know won the the arms race to find the analytics that predict performance the best they've identified those on DeAndre Swift they've made the trade they're bringing in DeAndre Swift he's going to be a superstar in football that's not how it works mm-hmm Certainly, the Eagles are ahead, right? They're probably uh, top five yeah, in their use of analytics around the league. But whether DeAndre Swift in his bones wants to be a football player matters a hell of a lot more than if any given baseball player really wants to be an outfielder. Like yeah. how bad does, does Mike Trout want to be a baseball player? Well, that matters, but that hand-eye coordination... Uh, that that he brings to the table and his just total uh, his overall approach in the batter's box that can all be quantified. DeAndre Swift's approach to the game and his ability to acclimate to the playbook and to integrate himself into the into this larger sort of moving, dirty organism that mm-hmm. is a that is a uh, a football team is going to matter a lot more in, in that particular case. So yeah, the the football is this organism, this dirty, beautiful organism where baseball is more like a lab experiment. It's more yeah. like a laboratory environment. So they're just, it's, they're two very different things. And uh, the baseball approach to football analysis yeah. only gets you so far. And also from a fantasy perspective, in fantasy baseball leagues, you have, you know, six months to accumulate those small edges day over day week over week 16 game fantasy football season like you barely know what's what and you could already be out of the playoff race think about it with antonio gibson right antonio gibson's on a team that already believes him to be fumble prone Mm -hmm. right he did lead the league in fumbles in 2021 then he had only one fumble last year but he already has that scarlet letter or that scarlet f right (laughs) on his chest so if he fumbles once, yeah, then forget it. Yeah, he is going to be no. He's going to be robbed of opportunities, <laughs> right? He might be robbed of hardly any touches in the second half, right? Which is one thirty fourth of a whole season. Yeah. <laughs> so if he's not allowed to touch the ball at the same rate in the second half, he just lost one thirty fourth, which is significant. Three percent. One thirty fourth is three percent of his season and his ability to accumulate statistics gone right and and did that have anything to do with his ability to play football did that have anything to do with uh the the clinical diagnosis numbers-based analysis of antonio gibson's abilities on the football field no it had to do with a perception that the coaches have about his ball security and that's something that you wouldn't factor in in a baseball uh, context. 
Definitely. A, a let's say let's say a a first baseman's struggles to squeeze the uh, the the ball once in a while. A first baseman might drop right a throw from across the diamond, and they know about it. It's a thing, but the idea that that guy would get benched for three percent of the games yeah, that would be like missing a whole week's worth of baseball games yeah, they're not going to bench the first baseman for a week because he dropped one throw from the third baseman that's not but that's what they did to antonio gibson and that's <laughs> the best microcosm that i have to explain the difference between football and baseball and how you, you do have to open up your mind to things that the analytics snobbery would generally uh and, and again, I was a met. The reason I can say this with, you know, clarity is because I was that guy. Yep. Right. I was an analytics and metric snob for many years. And I feel like now I'm even in, in a better position where I appreciate some metrics more than others, but I also have my mind open to other things to think about. And again, the, the Kenneth Gainwell, DeAndre Swift dichotomy is it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I knew Kenneth Gainwell was going to be the guy based on two things that had nothing to do with stats because the stats told me DeAndre Swift was the best running back mm -hmm. easily as a runner and a receiver. His efficiency metrics were better than Kenneth Gainwell, but I have Nick Sirianni wearing a Kenneth Gainwell t-shirt <laughs> and I have the coach speak from Dan Campbell. Those two things, right? Those two things indicate that these two football players are very different. One is completely bought into his system and his culture and the other one doesn't really want to be there and that shows up on sunday in this sport in particular whereas other sports i follow whether it be soccer whether it be baseball other sports basketball it's not like that mm -hmm. it's not like that you can have a cranky basketball player and if his three-point percentage is better than the other guys he's going to be out there it's not going to matter because it, it's not this super cohesive yet dirty organism that these football teams are yeah all right and so w while i have you here in the studio i gotta say i i noticed for the first time here in person this is actually like a legit painting here that you have behind you i always thought this was some, some kind of banner someone had just printed this what's the story behind the the background painting here? oh yeah so we can uh we can tilt it up for a moment for this for the uh for the video audience you can see that's the uh that's the mansion right there. That this is the, you're in the mansion, and I'll tilt it back down here. And that is the werewolf sipping a martini with a tuxedo. That's my Twitter avatar. It's been my Twitter avatar for ten years at least. And when we bought this house, and I saw this space, and I saw this egress wall here, uh, this you know this is the roof line wall. Uh, slanted down. I thought this would be the perfect thing for some kind of mural. And so I had hired um, a, a, a local artist to come and paint on the wall. And she said, well, I think that's fine, but I think it would be better if you actually, we did a, a proper painting that you can move and it won't, you know, if you move houses, it won't stay here. You can take it with you. You can, we can mount it as if it was painted on the wall. And I said, well, that's the best of both worlds. Let's do that. And then she said, well, what are, you, what are you thinking about? And I was like, well, I do this show with Nate Liss and it's kind of fun. And, you know, we have uh, we have our, you know, our, our top sponsors, underdogs. We should put, put the underdog dog in, in, in maybe a spaceship with Nate wearing a Burger King crown. Why not? And I was like, but I'm in outer space because, you know, we, there was a there was a great uh, 
uh, rendition that was drawn on Twitter by, by one of our followers uh, and uh, had me in the Mega Man suit. So it was, it was Mega Mansion. Uh. <laughs> I said, so we should do Mega Mansion with the martini, with sunglasses, the whole thing. And then, and then as I was having this conversation with her, I was like, hold on a second. Did I just say what I think I said? Can <laughs> Am I crazy? Is this the craziest job you've ever done? Do I sound like some kind of egomaniacal, uh, crazy podcast person? If not, if, if, if you actually have a, another vision and you want to go with that, that's fine. I'm sorry that I went down, spiraled down this, this road because <laughs> uh, I am commissioning this and I'm paying thousands of dollars. So I would like you to do exactly what I want. <laughs> No, but I was like, but no, but seriously, like, I don't want to be that guy. And she's like, no, no, no. I need this direction. Please tell me exactly what you want. You know? And I was like, well, there's a, how about a lightning bolt coming out of my, and then so she's just like taking notes the whole time. And I'm just like, and I'm like, do you, do you want more? She's like, yeah, anything, anything else, anything else? And I'm like, well, I would, you know, like I would, I want to make sure that, you know, I, there, there's olives in the martini. And then, so, and I was like, really, I keep going. <laughs> You know, yeah, so that's how Nate ended up in a spaceship. And I was like, I just kept going and going. And then I was like, she's like, I think I have enough now. Okay. <laughs> I think I have enough ideas. And I guess, I, but I wanted to make, I was like, please tell me if I've said enough, because as I'm hearing myself say this and giving these instructions, I sound so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds so absurd that it's not real. I can't believe this is happening. And then I fully expected her just to kind of forget about it or whatever. I was like. And then when she brought it over and I realized like, oh, she did, she actually did this thing. Yeah. This thing, we talked about it, but then it was out of my mind for weeks. And then she brought it over and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> so but the, the, if you go to these YouTube influencer uh, advice shows, so there, you could, you could look them up on YouTube where YouTube influencers, people that do these, that do videos every day. They talk about best practices, mm -hmm. right? YouTube creator best practices. One of those best practices, you turn over your studio every year. Huh, hadn't heard that. Yeah, you turn it over, you have a different backdrop, a different look, maybe a different microphone, just you change it up. You know, you got to keep the, the audience. Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Keep them, keep them guessing, right? And uh, I know that. So I know, so I have that information. I know that I should be keeping it fresh. I should change up my backdrop frequently and I'm not doing it because <laughs> I spent too much time and too much effort and too much money on this thing. And I like it too much. Other people can go ahead and, and, and change up their backdrops and, and, and maybe that'll spur some additional engagement. Good for them. I'm not that guy. I'm going down with this. Also, I'm 45. So I think at, once you reach a certain age, now 45, I think is my age where I'm like, okay, I've done enough. I'm good. <laughs> right. I'm not going to, I've done shape shifting. I am who I am at this point. The studio is what it is at this point. And you know, if, if we, if we, if we take the mural down, it's going to be because the show is over and we've done our last episode. It's not because like I need to freshen it up because I'm, you know, I'm chasing every last click. That's just <laughs> not it, man. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. And when, when did you and Nate start the podcast that, that spurred into Player Profiler? 2016, I think. And I when think did you start playing Dynasty? Because 2016. Did that overlap with your like Dynasty fantasy in particular? 
It's a great question. Uh, we started with a keeper league. So me and my buddies, we started with a keeper league. And at some point, once I started being active with fantasy football Twitter, I found out what Dynasty was. And I joined a couple Dynasty leagues run by Ryan McDowell. Okay. So DLF's Ryan McDowell. I joined a couple of uh, Dynasty leagues with him. Actually, the first Dynasty league I was in had a Devi. Oh, wow. Yeah, it had a Devi team. And so one of my first, I think my my two first Devi picks were Chris Godwin and James Conner. Oh, wow. Not bad. Right. Yeah, it was really good. But it was also another one, um, Isaiah Ford. Okay. So it was Isaiah Ford from Virginia Tech. He had he had like a good sophomore year, and so what I was trying to do is I was trying to find guys that had good sophomore years, as opposed to the guys that were the high recruits. Mm-hmm. So I learned early that in Devi, don't chase the top recruits. Find the guys that had good sophomore years that are underrated. Yeah. That was Isaiah Ford, and that was Chris Godwin. At the time, they seemed about equivalent, and then Godwin became Godwin, and Isaiah Ford became I don't know journey, yeah. journeyman dolphin guy whatever. Uh, and then I just knew James Connor. He was famous because he was 240 at Pitt. He's lost weight since, but in college he was huge <laughs> and he was supposedly fast. And so that one people knew that he could potentially be like a like a Derrick Henry type, Nick Chubb type uh, running back and uh, so that was uh that one was a little more straightforward where the the Godwin dart was just that was good. And I that I don't even not even in that league anymore sadly. And uh, I was in another league with with Ryan. It was a it was a best ball uh, dynasty league, and that one we all just forgot to do the rookie draft because <laughs> we're all so busy and we have so many. We're in so many leagues. Everyone collectively forgot about the rookie. What about that league we're in? Oh yeah, I guess it never happened. Uh-huh. Like it just we forgot about it. So that's I'm in so many leagues now that I'm just forgetting leagues. It's just we have uh, <laughs> yeah we. we, we, we 13, 14 patron leagues now. Uh, most of them on Sleeper. Sleeper's doing a great job. Uh, finally, can just kind of check them on your phone, um, and it's not quite as uh, not quite as much to 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 manage as it used to be. But now, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's almost exclusively Dynasty. I was only in one seasonal league this year. Wow. It was with Rival because Rival actually one of the leagues they they had a drawing, and one of our leagues got a thousand dollar prize pool. So rival was 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 uh, was providing prize pools for our listener leagues, and one of them won the thousand dollar a drawing, and then there's a, some five hundred dollar prize pools and two hundred and fifty. So thanks to rival, they've been great with great for us, uh, and now hooking up our listeners with these huge prize pools. So my team, oh yeah, my <laughs> team in that league. Is the worst, which is just perfect, right? It's just perfect. I I have a lot of success with Dynasty, and I'm a little bit snake bitten with seasonal leagues. This has been a thing, the the Podfather curse. Jalen Hurts, yeah, Jamar Chase, <laughs> Dallas Goddard. I mean, it, those are the, just the ones that that occurred to me off you, top. I, of my I head. think you said Christian Kirk was on that. Christian team. Kirk, can you believe it? <laughs> you might have maybe Waddle too. I don't. I, I can't remember. No, it was it was truly horrific. Yeah. It was, it, there was no good, n- nothing good happened. Like nothing. We will pull it up. I have to pull this up. It is, it is, is comical. Cause you're thinking, well, what do you mean? Like a Jalen hurts team with Jamar chase. It, it can't be bad. Dobbins. It had Dobbins on it. Jamal Williams. I started DK Metcalf, Godwin Kirk. Yeah. 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 It felt great. It was one of those that I felt really, really good drafting it. 
Yeah, no, I mean, really, it lo- I felt looks really real good. good on paper. I felt really, really, really good. And then I think I have Gainwell on the bench, Jackson Smith and Jigba on the bench, Marvin Mims. And so I felt real good about my depth as well. I was like, oh, lots of flexibility. This is going to be great. I'm just going to start my chalk players, get the W week one. And then, <laughs> and then yeah. Dobbins is gone. Yeah. Right. And then no Justice Hill. Right. No, I didn't. I didn't because I'm not I'm not here to bet against myself. So I have Zamir White instead, uh, instead of Justice Hill. So whoops, whoops. So yeah. you, we're we're on the same page here, though. Justice Hill better the, bet moving forward than Gus Edwards. I think like I'm not race. I'm not gonna blow a bunch of my fab budget on either of those guys. Melvin Gordon's probably gonna get some carries. I wouldn't be surprised if they're trying out Kareem Hunt or Leonard Fournette as we speak. Oh, I think yeah, that it's going to be a pretty ugly backfield that's for the true. rest of the season. That's true. That's good context. That's good con. I only wanted to just celebrate Justice Hill <laughs> on the top 10 takeaway show, but that's good context. That's probably given the fact that he's been in the league four years and we haven't seen any production, though he has an 86th percentile speed score and he does have an all purpose skill set. These are things that we talk ourselves into players with, but in reality, it's going to be Melvin Gordon. It's going to be Leonard Fournette. Yeah. It's going to be Gus Edwards. It's going to be a whole mix. It just is. Yeah. It just is. See, that's the thing. We, we wanted to see Lamar Jackson air it out more this season, and now he's really going to have to. What was what what hurt my soul on Sunday was seeing Nelson Aguilar rotating snaps with Rashad Bateman. <laughs> It was it was it was just Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham out there, and then they were rotating at the wide receiver three. I think that's partly because they're still getting Rashad Bateman acclimated and online, and injury, he needs to yeah. get a, he needs to get a full game under his belt, healthy, right? He didn't have a, a whole off season, right? So you see this with soccer all the time. Guys will come back from injury, they'll come in at like the seventy minute mark, they'll play twenty minutes, and they'll get and they'll get ramped up over time to come back. So I'm thinking that's what it was because he was productive when he was out there. He was targeted when he was out there. And, and I think he had like a hundred percent catch rate. I mean, he was good, Yeah. but he didn't look as electric as Zay Flowers. Yeah. Zay Flowers. He was did not look yesterday. like Zay Flowers. He looked a lot more similar to Beckham and Aguilar than he did Flowers. Unfortunately yeah. for Bateman, <laughs> unfortunately for Bateman. So it was up in the air. Right, exactly who was going to shake out as the alpha this year because Bateman was the veteran. I thought yeah. he had a chance to to be that guy this yeah. year. Week one, it's over. It's already flowers. It's yeah. flowers, dude. Flowers, man. And I mean, I, you've done enough like railing on Quentin Johnston already, but they took flowers after the Chargers took Johnston. Big so mistake. Well, and they they, they also took uh, the Vikings Addison drafted too. Addison yeah. too. Yeah. The move was Flowers. It was Flowers all along. It was a terrible evaluation by Chargers management. If they had gone to the Shrine Bowl or if they had done any of their homework, if they had player profile or just dominator rating alone, it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> what are we talking about? Yeah. You know, you want to replace Keenan Allen over time? Like, this is the guy. Imagine if they had flowers. Imagine the Chargers had flowers. Sheesh. That's yeah. a thing that should have happened if they well, had any idea. If they, I don't know. I'm, I'm question, I don't think. If I had to guess, let us know in the chat. Let us know in the comments. Do you think the Chargers front office, whoever made that pick, who turned in the card, had watched a TCU game? 
<laughs> I, I don't mean, think so, man. <laughs> I don't think. I, there's no way. That's, there's just no way. That's, <laughs> there's no way. That's, He's quite, so limited. Quite the accusation. <laughs> He's so limited. And the thing is, like, whoa, well, uh, Josh Palmer only had, like, one target. Just wait. You're going to yeah. get, there's going to be plenty of targets for Josh Palmer because Quentin Johnson's not coming for that role. It's not happening. <laughs> it's not happening. Yep. And then, so you, you said you're a little bit snake bitten when it comes to redraft, a little bit better at winning in Dynasty. If you could summarize. Well, that, 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 that tracks though. Yeah. Right? That tracks with zooming out, seeing the big picture, having a bigger sample size to work with. And yeah, I've found that a, a lot of my positions on players don't always right. uh, come to fruition in, in in the first year. Yeah. That it takes time for Kenneth Gainwell. I've loved Kenneth Gainwell for years. And it's yeah. not until year three that all that investment pays off. Uh, but also, I think this year, there's the, there's certainly some some big hits in the later rounds at uh, for sleeper wide receivers and, and some, of these, some of these running backs where, especially in the deeper leagues, Joshua Kelly, truther status. Right, Justice Hill, truth or sex, this stuff is already happening. Uh, and the thing is, though, the thing that's a killer is Dobbins was happening. Yeah, and it, like, and we were yeah. bullish on Dobbins, man, and that th- that was absolutely happening. And that's part of the that's part of the problem with seasonal leagues is you know I don't have the time to grind the waiver wire like some of the best out there, like some mm-hmm. of the the best high stakes players. They grind the waiver wire. Oh, for sure. And it's and they they do an amazing. They're amazing at it. And I'm just not at that level of day-to-day even week-to-week management but you give me a you give me a year or two to let 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 the pieces shake out right and let those all those micro decisions of going flowers over quinton johnston you do that enough times things will things it was cool though after a while it took months by the end of august yeah it was it was a slam dunk flowers over johnston yeah, but it was Johnson over Flowers in seasonal leagues for months. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. And then I guess one one question I like to ask everyone who's who's come on fantasy football across America is, what's your favorite like just football memory? Whether that's a game you've been to or a game you just watched on TV that was totally unforgettable. Give me one one memory that's, that stands out to you. I my mom took me to a game, a Ravens game. Speaking of the Ravens, uh, it took me to a Ravens-Seahawks game in 2003. And it just so happened to be one of the greatest comebacks in the history of the NFL. Seahawks went out to a huge lead uh, with uh, Matt Hasselbeck. And they had Corinne Robinson, Corinne Robinson, Daryl Jackson. Those are the two fantasy-relevant wide receivers. They also had Sean Alexander. Remember, Sean Alexander was a big fantasy. He was a fantasy stud. <laughs> and... So that was, I wanted to go see that game for a bunch of those reasons. Like, oh, a lot of fantasy options here. Not so much with the Ravens. They had Anthony Wright at quarterback. And then a, a receiver they had signed, a big athletic receiver from the Bears named Marcus Robinson, hmm. absolutely exploded with these like highlight reel, toe-tapping catches, playing above the defense in the second half. It was absolutely incredible. They came back from like 40 to 21 or 41, 21 and won 44, 41. Wow. Yeah. And it was just Anthony Wright. The one thing about Anthony Wright, everyone knew he had a big arm. Really? Right? So he was a great skill match with Marcus Robinson. And then it all clicked in the second half. And it was just, oh, it, it was, it was the Ray Lewis Ravens 
Right. We will protect this house. <laughs> right. And they had the chains. They was a very, and then the whole opening, we were right above the tunnel when he came out. Yeah. His dance, he would slide in and, you know, and he was all, he was like this bigger than, yeah, bigger yeah. than, than life personality. So it was great to see Ray come out. It was a little post prime, but he was great. And, uh, and of course the comeback win was insane. So I was like, oh, that's, that's probably not a game. That will be. And then the last few NFL games I've been to have been pretty underwhelming. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know. It's, it's the one thing is great experience, like a great going to a great concert or a great game. But then also in the back of your mind, you know, it's going yeah. to spoil it's gonna, yeah. the next few for me, unfortunately. So hopefully tonight will be good for you. Yeah, I mean, I think it will be. I, th- I think I got off to a good start yesterday. For a second there, I, w- I was worried that the Eagles were just going to boat race the Patriots. Looked like it. But the, the crowd got pretty into it. There was there was an almost comeback happening. I mean, Kayshawn Booty taps both his feet on that fourth down conversion, and we could be talking about a Patriots win yesterday. Kayshawn Booty was out there, man. Kendrick Bourne was out there. I mean, there were some bad receivers out there. It was, it was pretty <laughs> horrific. I think the number one receiver is what, Hunter Henry? Yeah, I mean, I think Hunter Henry, number Bourne, one receiver. Bourne might have had more yards, but I think, yeah, Bourne I, I, had... If you watch that game, Hunter Henry was the, was the first option. Yeah. He, he was mean, the guy, he was the go-to that, guy. That one-handed catch on the fourth down conversion definitely got the stadium was, pretty wild up. It was up. like four, fourth and 12. Yeah, something like that. It was cra- it was a gr- that was a, one of the clutch catches of the day. Oh, for sure. Yeah, great, man. Definitely. Well, all right, and you got to get you got to get to the next game. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I've I I mean I like to you know let, let's wrap the show up. I want I want to get you know a few minutes of getting you know fantasy analysts talking about something other than football for yeah. you know whether that's that's just five minutes. Yeah. So tell me what mm. you enjoy about living in Connecticut like what is there to see out here if someone's find themselves here I know that I'm just passing through but what's what what is it that that makes this place home for you well it's 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 Connecticut it's Maine uh when I was in when I was growing up in Millinocket Maine which is northern Maine and you went you drove near there on your way on your way through and unfortunately it was just too cold to be hospitable <laughs> Right, it was there was snow on the ground in April. There was a ve- the the summer was such a blessing because the winters were so dark. I mean, it would get dark at three thirty at night when you're in those northern latitudes, man. Yeah, it gets dark early. It's just miserable. And I know that you know there's there's been some you know the temperatures rising, and I know it's causing some problems in some places for certainly. I understand the Northeast, especially Maine is benefiting like a lot of people are like hey we had just a horrific summer it was too hot Mm -hmm. right droughts all these things the one thing i will say is that there this really is a refuge for the climate right now is that we will especially in maine they were already a couple degrees too cold for (laughs) most people to be happy (laughs) but now there's a huge influx like there's been there's been a big influx of people to where i live in connecticut for sure because uh, people want, uh, they want, you know, to fresh produce, you know, they, they, they want better food. I think that's one of the things that Connecticut's known for is tons of fresh produce. Any given weekend, you can go pick strawberries, pick apples. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing that we do. And we're sort of equidistant from the farms to the north and then the coastline. And we, we just took the kayaks out. And so it's it's a great spot. It's one of those under Billy's in the same situation in Bend, Oregon, mm-hmm. 
where he's in that kind of, it's a spot where there's not yet a lot of people. It's not crowded, but you've got farms, you've got the ocean, and there are some places around the country that are not overpopulated yet that have kind of the best of all worlds with the terrain. Connecticut's there, uh, Oregon's there, but where my parents are, like people are, I mean, it is exploding hmm. because just that one degree of temperature difference, yeah. that that extra season, that extra couple weeks where it's not so miserable, it's not so cold that you can't, you know, you need like a heavy coat in October, mm -hmm. just that slight change. I think it's, you know, if there was a, a, a you know, if anyone was uh, looking for uh, uh, a place to move right now with, with the way, you know, work from home, I know that even Zoom has called everyone back to the office, yeah. which is amazing <laughs> and hilarious. But we still, as you are, you know, from a, from a van, we're 100% remote. And there's plenty of companies that are launching every day that are 100% remote. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we might, we might move back to Maine one day just cause things are, things are happening, man. Yeah. I mean, when I was passing through there, admittedly August, so the weather was, was pretty nice. Maine, Maine was gorgeous. So very, very cool spot. And then one, one last question before we get you out of here, what's like one just hobby or some, something you enjoy doing or thinking about when you're completely removed from football? Cause I know it's, it's hard. I know. I'm sure I find it in my shoes. I'm sure it's even more intense in your shoes to just not even think about work or football, all that entangled. Well, it's, it's tough because, you know, we're, we're rolling out a bunch of new R and D initiatives that are taking up a lot of my time. In addition to all these shows that I love doing uh, and all in meeting with you and Theo and Billy. And, and there's just there's so much to do every day that yes, yeah, 16 hours goes by. It doesn't feel like work, but it does take all your time. Yeah. Right. It does take all your time. And, you know, and I love sports. And so the other sport that I really like is now English Premier League, the EPL. And, you know, if I really, if I have downtime and I really want to just veg out, I'm going to put on Man City. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to check the Leicester City highlights from the championship. Right. I'm going to, you know, that's, that's, that's my happy place. And one day <laughs> I'm hoping that we can launch a fantasy game for the English Premier League. One sick. day I want to do that. I want to do full coverage on the site. I want to have player profiles on, you know, Holland. And I was actually at Epcot and I went to the Norway. There's a Norway uh, section huh. of the Epcot, you know, around the world. And I asked him about Holland and I, and, and I said, oh, do you know this uh, er Erlig Holland? And they're like, not Holland. Holland, Holland, <laughs> you know, and I, and I was like, oh yeah, and then Martin, no, uh, uh, Odegaard. It's like it's not Odegaard, it's Odegaard. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Odegaard, you know, I kind of really, uh, you know, and then like Holland, you know, and so and I, anyway, so so that that answers your question, right? Yeah. So when I'm on vacation with the family, I'm probably more likely to talk about Holland than I am, you know, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay. So, but it's still sports. It's still football, right? Yeah. It's just a different type of football. And then my daughter is playing football, soccer. And so she had her first practice today with her school, on her school team. So I'm excited to hear how that went, you know, because she's been really kicking butt and, and getting better. Uh, and she 
you know, did a move that we had practiced in the yard for the first time in a scrimmage. And she was really excited to tell me about it. And I think I missed it by like five minutes. Oh man. You know, <laughs> uh, she's like, yeah, oh, like five minutes before you got there. You know, I did that, you know, I, I did that, uh, that Deke move we worked on. Uh, and, uh, so that, that's the, that's yeah. the shit, dude. That's awesome. That's the shit. Yeah. Wow. Well, thanks so much for coming on fantasy football across America. I'm so happy we got to do this here. I, like I said, still pretty surreal to be in the pod father's studio. Any final words, anything the people should be looking out for? Well, they should be looking out for you, man. You're doing something historic. And I talked to you, we, we need to talk to the NFL and tell them what you're doing, what you're, you're, it's so difficult logistically. You actually have to fly to a Cowboys game and fly back because you can't actually get it all done in the van just yeah. because of the way the schedule is and the way and you, you you really analytic the hell out of that thing and it was still hard. And so you're 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 going above and beyond to get these thirty two or thirty one uh, games in. So we got to get the NFL on this. We got to tell them to feature you in one of the broadcasts. <laughs> this is a big deal, man. I'm really proud of you. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that, you know, like you said, I'm able to work remote and keep keep doing all the analytics stuff that, that I enjoy doing while, while I'm also traveling. So this is awesome. I, again, I'm 45. I'm a man. I'm 45. <laughs> and I still can't believe how much you can get done with the internet. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So- all right, drive safe. <laughs>